last week and in the trailer, we talked about kind of how you, how the movies get picked on this show. And we'll dive a little bit deeper into that today. And then one of the things that I had mentioned was the year 2008. That being kind of like a quintessential year that we had to start with. And that is what we were talking about today. Today, we were talking about the movie year that was 2008, why it had such an impact on me, why it's so important to me. And so, yeah, let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like the video, share with your friends, subscribe to the channel. Thank you for listening to this. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, make sure you are leaving us a rating and review. If that's on iTunes, Spotify, Google, whatever, just make sure that you are leaving us those reviews and that you are getting in touch with us in our links in the show notes to let us know what you think about the show. Now, today, 2008, it is a quintessential movie year for me. And I think the best way to kind of begin is for me to tell you a story. It's 2008. It's July. I am a month before my 12th birthday. And, you know, I've been seeing the trailers for weeks, if not months at this point. There is a new Batman movie coming out. And to my recollection, I'm not even certain that I saw Batman Begins when it came out. I'm not certain that I saw Batman Begins before I saw The Dark Knight, but I knew that I I had to go see this movie. Like this is one of this is probably the first movie that I saw not because of like uh not not because of it's my brother liked the movie, not because my mom liked the movie, not because I saw it like on TNT or I saw it in my mom's DVD collection. This is probably the first word of mouth movie that was like I mean obviously there I saw the trailers and everything and this movie goes on to gross a billion dollars this is kind of like the first movie amongst people that I'm friends with when I'm 12 years old of people being like hey we need to watch this movie we got we gotta we gotta find a way to get to the movie theaters and watch this and so I I remember it being one of those things that like just feeling like I needed to see this. There's so much more involved with me getting to the movies because it has to be something that my mom is interested in seeing. Uh, she has to have time off from work to take me to see it. And so there's this multi, it's a multi-layered scenario for a young Zach to get to the movies. But this was one that, you know, my, my mom was seemed to be on the fence about taking me to and didn't, didn't know if that would be a movie that she wanted to see. Ideally, she wanted me to go with my brother. My brother had already had plans to go see this movie on opening night. He was going with a friend, uh, but, you know, my brother was 14 at the time, and so he was starting high school. He wasn't super keen on hanging out with his younger brother, letting his younger brother tag along to things, and so my brother me going to see the movie with my brother was never an option, you know? It wasn't going to be something that I would be allowed to do. He did not want me hanging around with his friends. And so now I'm in the scenario of, like, having to beg my mom to take me to see The Dark Knight. And at first she didn't want to. At first she was like, I'm tired, it's a Friday night, it's going to be busy, it's a big movie. Like, I don't really want to go. I don't really want to go see that tonight. Can we wait until, like, Sunday? And I was very adamant. No. We, we will not be waiting until Sunday. 
We wait till Sunday. Jacob sees the movie. He tells me all about it. It's ruined. You know, like I, I need to see this tonight or I, I will die. That is, that is the level of dramatics that an 11 year old has about seeing the Dark Knight. And so eventually there's some convincing and she's like, okay, we, we can, we can go. Now, keep in mind my exposure to Batman up until this point in my life. Batman has some movies that I love, but those are Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. Those are like my, these, the, that is Batman for me as a kid growing up in the 2000s. I didn't see the Burtman, the Burton films till later in life. And then these, this Nolan trilogy would kind of become like the Batman movies for me in my youth. You know, I see a Batman movie and I go, oh wow, like, okay, um, we're, this, this, this must be just like George Clooney. This must be just like Val Kilmer. This is what these movies are going to be like. Uh, the Joker? Okay, cool. Like, that sounds fun. Um, and then we're going to the theater. Get our tickets, get our popcorn, get our candy. The whole nine yards. There was no, like, going to the movies as a kid without hitting the concessions and just going for it, you know? And so we're in the theater and we're watching it. It's me, my mom, my best friend. The movie starts and I'm just jarring to say the least to begin this movie it's like oh it opens like in this in this with this heist and it opens with like you know you don't really like see batman saving the day like he's not you know he's not he's not gliding around he's not in his batmobile he's not like this is this is different this is not george clooney this is not val kilmer but there's a point in the movie there's a point where something must have clicked and i i wish i could pinpoint exactly what scene it is like I could wish I could tell you verbatim like it's when x happens it's you know it's when Lao gets taken back from Hong Kong and gets taken to Gotham I think realistically it's closer to the end it is Batman interrogating the Joker it is the Joker sealing a phone into an inmate's body and using that as an explosive it's these kinds of things that maybe like this is incredible like oh my god like i don't know what i'm watching i don't know what is playing out in front of me i don't understand really a lot of the plot mechanics of this movie but i i, I know that i love it i know that this is where this really starts for me this idea of like this isn't a movie this is not a movie like for kids like batman forever like batman and robin like those movies kind of are like those movies are fine to show to a 10-year-old because, you know, there's nothing, like, really in them that's that deep or emotional or complex that a a child can't understand. And there's something that... And, and largely, that this has to do with the fact that this is a Christopher Nolan Batman movie. And, like, obviously, at the time, I had no idea who Christopher Nolan is. Like, I maybe have seen The Prestige at this point. Um, I... Like I said, I don't think I saw Batman Begins. I definitely wasn't watching, like, Memento at 11 or something like that. Uh, but this is, like, th this is where it clicks for me. Like, I, I know that there's things going on here that I don't quite understand. I don't really understand the messaging, like, the darkness of the movie, how just kind of, like, brutal and brooding that it, the movie is. And, like, these are things that I'm just, like... That I, that I don't get as an 11-year-old, but that feel like something that I want. Even if I couldn't explain it at the time. Even if, though, I can't tell you about, like, this, this, about the quality, like, the tangible thing about this movie that, like, 
that like drew me to it, I knew that I loved it. I knew that I wanted like to experience things like this again. And I mentioned this last week, and this really is like the transitional point for me. This is the movie. The Dark Knight is the movie where I recognized that there was a difference between movies made for me and movies made for adults. And I recognized the difference between, you know, like seeing like a, like a goofy R rated comedy that I was allowed to watch when I was younger and like adult dramas or uh, movies like this, like these kinds of action movies, these kinds of crime movies that like, that I just wasn't aware of because like, why would I be? I was 11. You know, my mom still wanted me watching like Horton Hears a Who and, you know, shit like that. Even though I have older brothers and I was exposed to a lot of things when I was younger, like for the most part, like my movie watching was, again, it was tame. It was things that like my mom watched first or it was things that I was watching on TNT where like they, all the bad stuff was cut out of it. My mom didn't care what I was watching on TNT because there's nothing that I could be shown because it's on national television. But going to the theaters and seeing The Dark Knight, this is kind of like it, it's a it's a very big turning point. And this is why the year 2008 is so important is because it's it's the year of this movie. It is the year of that turning point. It is the year where there's something inside of me whether I subconsciously knew about it or whether like I was like purposefully guiding myself in that way where I started to become less interested in movies like made for kids and teens and more interested in movies that were made like for movie movies that were made for adults movies that had these these complex ideas that even if I couldn't grapple with I liked the I liked that I was seeing it play out in front of me because again it, it has that kind of titillating quality of like maybe this isn't like this isn't for you like maybe you shouldn't be watching this and that's exciting I think when I see the dark knight in theaters in 2008 I can't recount for you, like, thematically what Christopher Nolan is doing in that movie, but I knew that I was at least intrigued enough by it to, to want to see more movies like that. Like, I don't know what is happening here, but I want more of it. That is kind of the feeling I have walking out of the Dark Knight, and ultimately, like, shapes my movie life going forward. Going forward, I, I actively rejected, like, movies aimed kids and teens and stuff, I actively rejected those movies, like, this is the Wally year, 2008 is the Wally year, and this was, that was the year where I was like, I'm not watching that, that's for babies, you know, I saw The Dark Knight, dude, like, the, I need to be watching movies like that, and it's, it's when I, I kind of take this turn, take this transition into, I need to, like, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> it's hard to say that this is when I started taking it seriously, like, but this is kind of when it was like I recognized something was happening. That I recognized that like there were things in these movies that I was being drawn to, even if I couldn't tell you what that was. Like, but like I wanted to keep exploring movies like this to try and figure it out. So let's talk about The Dark Knight a little bit. You know, The, the Dark Knight comes out in July. Uh, it is. It makes like five hundred and thirty million dollars domestically. Like, it makes over a billion dollars worldwide. Like. This is a very successful movie. Um, obviously, I'm not aware of Christopher Nolan. I'm not aware of like the things that he does in his movies. Uh, but there is something very unique about this trilogy that I don't think ever happens again. 
for starters, like very practical effects. I don't know, a practical effects driven superhero movie. We're probably past the days of doing that. Like I just it probably isn't gonna happen. The other crazy thing that that takes place in this trilogy is the this idea that like the Dark Knight trilogy in total takes nine years to come out. And you no, know, you get Batman Begins in two thousand four, you get the Dark Knight in two thousand eight, and you don't get Dark Knight Rises until twenty thirteen. Maybe it's twenty twelve. Um but yeah, you, you basically like there's a four year gap between each movie and I just I do not think for a movie that grosses a billion dollars, you see that four year gap ever again. Like I don't there's absolutely no way that Matt Reeves, who is in charge of the Batman right now, like there's no way that, that the Batman is successful and then Matt Reeves is allowed to like they they greenlit a sequel. And there's no way Matt Reeves is allowed to be like, okay, I'm going to make the Batman 2, but I'm going to make this other thing first. Uh, that's going to come out, and then I'll start production on Batman 2. Like, I think every studio in the world right now is like, no. Like, the Batman was successful. We need to capitalize on that. We need to get the Batman 2 out as quickly as we can. And so before people forget, and before people don't care. The idea that, like, Christopher Nolan made a movie in between all of his Batman movies, like, that is insane and like a thing that will not happen ever again like especially movies that are successful as these granted i don't think batman begins was super successful but definitely with the dark knight and like with the dark knight having this kind of prestige having this kind no pun intended but having this kind of pastiche as like this is the greatest superhero movie ever made like it is the like film bro superhero movie um it, yeah, it, it's crazy to me that, like, this, this is one of those movies that will live on and be talked about forever, and it's crazy that instead of going immediately in production onto The Dark Knight Rises, Christopher Nolan's like, no, nah, I'm going to make Inception first. I will make arguably another great movie that people will remember forever before I make another Batman movie. I just don't think people, I don't think people ever talk about how unique that is. Like, if you think about, like, Ben Affleck's life, was tied up in Batman, was tied up in Zack Snyder's universe. Like, he really wasn't doing many other things besides Batman-related things. Like, he had to be available to do Batman things. And even, like, Christian Bale in this time is doing other things. Christian Bale, you know, he he gets jacked to do The Dark Knight, and then he has to lose all that weight to do The Fighter in 2010. Then he has to put all that weight back on to do The Dark Knight Rises. And then he does American Hustle. And then, like... There's, it's, we seemingly are in a place today where that, like, we weren't at in 2008. Like, obviously, 2008 is also the year of Iron Man. It's the year that the MCU really kicks off. I don't even think I saw Iron Man in 2008. Uh, but, like, there's there's certainly, like, we, we aren't at that point where people need to be available for their superhero roles. And so they can't take any other roles. Like, now that Chris Hemsworth is kind of done being Thor... Or, you know, isn't Thor as much anymore. Like, you see him do, like, movies like Extraction and stuff like that. But what did you see Chris Evans do? Or what have you seen uh, Robert Downey Jr. do that, like, wasn't MCU-related? Because, like, that's where all the, their time is. That's where they're sinking all their time into those projects. And it's just crazy that, like, at this point in time, given, like, the state of, more, like, superhero movies today and looking at it 
literally just 15 years ago, like how different it is and how crazy different, like these actors and these directors. And like, you actually had auteurs interested in making these kinds of movies. And like, I think that for the most part is gone. I don't think that like someone like Christopher Nolan, like makes a superhero movie ever again. I don't think you see like a David Fincher do superhero movie. I don't think you see, you know, someone in those lines make a superhero movie. You don't see Aaron Sorkin writing superhero stuff. Like the, these people that were like at the top of their game, like just aren't doing these things. And they were in 2008. Like that was an exciting thing for Christopher Nolan to do. Regardless of how I feel about the movie, which I, I think I mentioned this last week, like I have kind of softened on it over the years. Um, I, I'm not as crazy about it as I was at that time. Um, but I, I, I still like it quite a bit. I don't revisit it that often. There, I have issues with it. I have issues with the Aaron Eckhart stuff. I don't think that stuff works all that well. I would have loved to have seen, like, them kind of set the groundwork for Two-Face, and then Two-Face gets to be the villain in The Dark Knight Rises. I would have loved that. But, like, the main point being, like, regardless of how I feel about these movies, like, that this this was a theatrical experience that changed the course of my life. Like, the same is true with Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter movie that I spoke about last week. These are the movies, these theatrical experiences, like, changed who I was, like, changed what I was interested in, changed things about me. And so that's why, like, the year 2008 is very important. Now, I, The Dark Knight gets a lot of credit, um... Like, for me, like, for making this kind of change. But in the same exact month, like, two weeks prior, you get a movie like Hancock, which is also, like, kind of adult and great. Like, that was definitely a movie that I saw and was like, okay, like, I don't know if I like this, but this is definitely not what I was anticipating. This is definitely not like the other movies that I was seeing. And and to some kind of lesser extent, the same can be true for movies like... um like Wanted, which was a movie that I saw the trailer for and was like, man, I really got to see that. And a movie like Indiana Jones and the Temple or in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. These are movies that I saw in that time that like kind of helped me make that transition away from like, I don't just need to watch the Disney movies, like the action adventure, like all it for ages, family friendly movies. Like I, you know, like I'm, I was interested in Wanted because it, it had that quality that like that hmm, maybe this is not, like, entirely meant for your age range. And I don't even think The Dark Knight is meant for an 11-year-old. Like, I think there's a lot of complex things going on in that movie that just go, like, right over my head, right over a kid's head, even though it it features Batman. I think the same is true with Matt Reeves' Batman, where, like, there's things happening in that movie that kind of would go right over a kid's head. Even if kids love Batman, like, maybe this isn't the Batman movie for them. But, like... It deserves the vast majority of the credit, but there were still movies like Wanted, like Hancock, that like I don't think are necessarily very good, but they still sparked that interest in me in something that was more grown up than I was. And I think that is like kind of the point that I'm at least rambling around. Like these <laughs> these were the movies that kind of like made me grow up because I watched them I was experienced to things that I was probably too young to be seeing and because of that I grew up and because of that I had to grow up because I was 
witnessing things in movies that I didn't know anything about that I had to get educated on to understand the movies. And that was kind of like my experience for the next five or six years, which was just watching things and like growing up because of the things that I was seeing in movies. And so that is what like that is 2008. That is why we picked 2008 to start with, to kind of go through some theatrical releases in this year that I have a memory of, that I have a some sort of association with. Um, and obviously, we will do, like, when we get to that point in the year, like, we will do a full Dark Knight. Like, we will do a full episode on it. This also, like, changed the entire course, like, of the rest of the year for me. And so, let's kind of talk about that. So, throughout the rest of 2008... This is when I was on the hunt for, you know, adult movies that seemed interesting to me. For, like, movies that, like, were rated R or were, were you know, like, like things that, like, I knew that I probably wouldn't get to see them in theaters, but that I probably could get to see them when they came out on video or DVD and Redbox and stuff. This is when, like, YouTube trailers were, like, a big deal. And I remember, like, actively, like, searching for trailers. I remember actively, like, keeping up with trailers and trying to keep up with the movies that were coming out later in the year, trying to just to see, like, what would be interesting to me. And while I didn't see... There's a couple of these movies that I'm about to mention that I did see in theaters, but for the most part, like, I, I didn't see them in theaters, but they were movies that caught my eye. There were movies that I was keeping tabs on for when I would get the chance to see them. And for the most part, like, I would see them at home on Redbox, or I would see them you know, at my grandparents' house, like, they would be watching it, and my grandparents were never very mindful of, like, the fact that there were kids around, so I ended up seeing things that, like, you know, probably aren't meant for me, but again, this was what I was searching for, this is what I was craving in my movie watching. So some of these movies would be, you know, Lakeview Terrace, and Eagle Eye, and, you know, the James Bond movie Quantum of Solace, like, I don't, remember seeing any of those movies in theaters but i definitely remember like like bookmarking them and being like "Ooh, that's okay samuel jackson that sounds interesting okay ooh, shia labeouf like, I, okay was I, a thriller okay yeah like let me watch this I, i'm interested in this james bond james bond movie okay another james bond yeah yeah i'm I, okay i need to see this and so i'm keeping track of like where these movies are when they're coming out when i will get the chance to see them when they're coming to something like Redbox, so that i can watch them and then you have a movie like Transporter 3, which I, like, saw in theaters on Thanksgiving Day. And this was, like, uh, like, uh, I need to see this. Like, this is, like, a like an action movie, like, cars and stunts and people being killed and shot. And I was just like, okay, I, I gotta see that. that. That is a movie that, like, really fits this mold of, like, what I was attempting to watch in these times. And then you get into, like, you know, the, the dramas of 2008. The big dramas where you get things like... Gran Torino and Seven Pounds and Valkyrie and Defiance and you even you even get something like Benjamin Button but these were movies that like I was watching trailers for I was keeping track of and I was trying to hunt them down to watch them and that is that is essentially like how my 2009 would go and then in 2010 when I start high school this is really when I get the freedom to like go to the movies on my own this is when I get like that opportunity where like you can, okay, like, here's 20 bucks, here, do some chores, here's 20 bucks, go to the movies, and this is when, that would be when I really kick-started, like, going to the movies every single week, in 2008, 2009, I would have had to have been going with my mom, or my brother, or a parent of some sort, and then, so this, this would be my years of, like, just 
obsessively keeping track of everything that's coming out, but not getting the chance to see it until Redbox. Or not getting the chance to see it until it was on HBO or something like that. And me just like obsessively setting reminders in my phone of when these things would come on HBO so I could watch them. Like when these things would be in Redbox so I could go to my mom to Hannaford to get it. And like that is like, that is what The Dark Knight did. Like it made these movies just like take over my life because I was interested in more adult things, more adult movies understanding that distinction and trying to like just recapture that feeling that I had when watching The Dark Knight. So I was just obsessively watching kind of anything and everything that was coming out. Now, The Dark Knight had one other lasting effect on me, and this would be as it pertains to the Academy Awards. You know, obviously, there's the Heath Ledger thing and him winning Best Supporting Actor, and that's kind of like what made me aware of it. This would be the first Oscars that I really paid attention to, that I was interested in, that I was intrigued by, that I was kind of wanted to know more about. And this would be, you know, this is the year that Slumdog Millionaire kind of takes over. And I didn't watch Slumdog Millionaire in 2008, but like this is when I'm genuinely interested in the so-called Academy Awards and, and seeing that something was nominated for an Academy Award was kind of like a selling point for me to watch it. Like, without that, I don't think I watch a movie like Benjamin Button. I don't think I watch those movies. I certainly don't think I watch, like, Milk or Frost Nixon without, like, that, you know, that allure of, well, this is an Oscar-nominated movie. And this would be, like, the year that I'm, I'm keeping track of that race, and I want to know who wins, and I have... Even if they are severely misguided, because I thought that The Dark Knight should have won everything, uh, this is when I'm really keeping track of like, winners. And this would propel me into the next year, where now, like from the beginning of the year until the end of the year, obviously at that time I didn't know that like most Oscar movies don't come out until you know the fall. But now, it's going into 2009, I'm watching every movie with that lens of like, well, what, is this an Academy Award movie? Like... Do I think this person could be nominated for an award? Do I think they deserve a best picture? Is this a best picture? Is this a best actor? Is this a best actress movie? Like, I now have that frame of reference to be watching movies with, and I just, it just takes over. Like, I just become obsessed with this stuff. And that is why the year 2008 is so important. It just ingrains all of this stuff in me that becomes so formative that I, it's still with me to this day. I am still obsessed with the Oscars, even though I, I think it's stupid and I think they hardly ever pick the correct winners. For whatever reason, I just love that. I love that award show. I love that like that constant like thinking of like, oh, is this an Academy movie? Is this a movie that's going to do well with voters? Like, I can definitely think about movies now like with my extensive history of, of and knowledge of what has won like I, I certainly think i've become better at predicting like what is or is not an oscar movie i think i'm more can speak more knowledgeably about how oscar voters tend to vote and that's all kind of starts in 2008 with the dark knight and with that movie just taking over my life and me becoming just so obsessed with that movie and wanting and desperately just trying to find something like it. And it made me a big part of it makes me the film fan, the film lover that I am today. And so that is why we're starting with 2008. Again, 
it's not every week that you'll see a wide release movie from 2008. I'm sprinkling them in, ones that like I can remember, ones that made an impact on me. And then we'll probably, from 2008, we will move in 2009, or we'll move backward in 2007, or something along those lines. That is, I, I, I do, I do want to like just continually be talking about these movies that came out in release because I think it's important like historically like to be looking back on these movies that came out because a lot of them like again like when was the last time you thought about a movie like Lakeview Terrace when was the last time you thought about you know Grand Torino or Seven Pounds like I think the, the the historical component to this show a big part of what we're trying to do with Raised by Movies and with Junkhead TV in general is just like Make sure that these things don't get forgotten. Like these movies played such an important role in my youth. Whether that was that was that's another thing. Like whether I saw them or not, they played an important role because I can at least remember like the trailer. I can remember thinking about if I wanted to see that movie or not. I can remember the posters. I can remember like all of these things about a movie that I never even saw. And so that is kind of why I feel like it's important for us to take some time every month and look back and maybe maybe it's just one episode a month where we talk about the wide release movies of that month from a certain year i don't know i i will figure out kind of the scheduling and the platform like how it's going to work on the platform like kind of by trial and error we'll see what works and what doesn't but that's what you can look forward to and in fact next week you can look forward to us talking about the first wide release movie of 2008 uh, which is One Missed Call. And this, that is another movie that like I have vivid memories of that I never saw. And so I think, again, without repeating myself too much, it is important to look back at these things. Like We cannot always constantly be focused on the future. We can't always be constantly focused on what's coming out now. Because if we do, like these movies will be forgotten about and no one will ever watch them again. And that would be a damn shame. So a part of our job here at Junkhead TV, besides just keeping you up to date on things that are happening now, is also encouraging you to find these movies from the past that you will end up loving, that like are out there ready to be discovered, and we are just as interested in covering what is new and preserving what is old so that it is not lost to time. That is all I have for you today. That is the year 2008 and why it is important to me. If you are watching this on YouTube, thank you for watching. Like the video, share with your friends, subscribe to the channel. We can continue the conversation in the comments below. Let us know what you thought. What is your definitive movie year? What is the year where you really kind of started acknowledging these things and taking them a little more seriously? We would love to know, and we can continue that conversation there. If you were listening to this on your favorite podcast app, thank you for listening. Make sure you leave us a review, a rating, all that good stuff, and get in touch with us at our socials, at our email, all of that is in the show notes. And same question to you. What is the what is your definitive movie year? Let us know, and we will get back to you. We will continue the conversation in, in any way that we can. So thank you for being here, and until next time, keep enjoying good stuff. Goodbye, everybody.